want you to take just a minute and allow your heart to be still before the Lord. You know, as we engage God, we engage God with our mind. We think about what we hear, what we see. But we're more than just a cognitive being. We have a spirit, we have a soul. We want to allow our emotions to settle. Jesus spoke to the waves and said, Peace, be still. We want to become more aware of our, of our spirit. It's how the Holy Spirit communicates with us. It's who we are. So I want to ask you in just for just a moment, let's just close our eyes and ask God's presence to come as we gather. This would be a holy gathering, not just to listen to the pastor, but to allow God to speak to us. Let's close our eyes. Lord, we do pause a moment and just recognize that we stand before a holy God. We humbly acknowledge our absolute need and dependence on you. It's because of you, Lord Jesus, we live and move and have our being. And apart from you, we can do nothing. We affirm today that you are our heavenly Father, a good Father that knows our needs before we even ask, that cares for us, that provides for us, that gives us strength to endure difficulty. So we submit ourselves to you, Lord, as best we know how we turn our hearts fully and completely to you and you alone. I just ask you, Lord, that you would just come to each of your people, wherever our needs are. I ask you to meet us at our point of need whether they're felt needs or needs that you know and understand as our Father, I just pray the Spirit of the Lord would rest on us now. Peace, comfort, strength, provision, and direction. Welcome, Lord, as we open our Bibles today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've got a little picture I want to start with today. You know, this is a a difficult time, but it's a picture, obviously, of me having both my grandsons uh, there in my, uh, in my arms, I've got uh, Titus, he's uh, about nine, ten months, and then I've got Henry, and he's about two and a half, three years old. It was a very, very special morning. You know, there are special things in the midst of the awkwardness that we're seeing right now. Um, we've been doing a series called The Corona Crisis. We've been trying to ask questions about what's going on around us and find answers in the Bible. Uh, We've asked questions like, for the example, the first question was, what if? What if some bad things happen? Uh, The second question we asked in a message was, why? Why is this happening? And then today, what we want to shift a little bit and talk about what now? Specifically, what changes will we make in our spiritual life because of this corona crisis? You know, the corona crisis clearly is affecting the way all of us, the way that we live our lives. People are getting sick and dying. Uh, I read recently about 100 people in Biller, uh, Miller and Bowie County have been infected with the disease. The stock market has dived. Uh, people are out of work. There's a great deal of uncertainty. But there's also some benefits that are in this corona crisis. It's a time to slow down. It's a time for us to ask ourselves what's really important in life. Many of us, thankfully, are reevaluating our relationship with God. 
And can I tell you, I cannot think of a, of a better, more fitting benefit to come from this is if we have allowed ourselves to have what I call a spiritual reset. Uh, you know, when your, your, your DVR uh, is not working and it's, you know, it's messing up all the time, well, you push the little red reset button and it starts over again. And I want to suggest to you this is a perfect time to start over again. Uh, our president, governors are now talking about opening our cities, opening our states. Uh, but yet, and pretty soon, we'll be back to what we'll call a normal life. But here's a question I want to ask you today. Do I want to be the same person I was before the corona crisis, or is there something better? And this is what I want to talk about today. I've entitled the message, My New Normal. And I want to ask you, if you can, to just lay aside any distraction that's surrounding you for the next 30 minutes and allow me to be a vehicle where I believe God will speak to you through His Word. Let's talk about it today. Again, My New Normal. Now, first I want to ask the question, and I want to make a contrast. Uh, the question is this, am I what I'm going to call a closet Christian or am I a committed Christian? The issue here is about my Christian maturity. Uh, and let me define the terms. And again, these are my terms, so I guess I can define them. But by closet Christian, I mean someone who believes in Jesus and wants to go to heaven, but they're not living each day like a committed Christian. Uh, bottom line, they're selfish, they're uh, worldly, and afraid to stand up for Jesus. And I think if all of us are honest, there's been a time in our Christian life when we've been more selfish, worldly, uh, and afraid to stand up for Jesus than we've been committed to Jesus. Well, this is what I'm calling a closet Christian. Jesus, you know, we want Him as our Savior, but not as our Lord. Now, let's look at the contrast, the better, a committed Christian. And I'm going to look at three attributes. And later on in the message, I'm going to talk about these attributes. And this is kind of a global big picture of what it means to be a committed Christian. Number one, it's people who have a, a growing, intimate relationship with God. Number two, a committed Christian is guided by the Word of God and the will of God. And number three, a committed Christian is living on purpose. We're living to serve the Lord with our life. And I want to suggest to you these three big global pictures are the new reset that if all of us would take this step upward, upwards, we'll be living the life God created us to be, and we'll be uh, this corona crisis will have had a benefit to us. Now, let me, let's first talk about a, a guy named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is only mentioned three times in the Bible, three times in John's Gospel. Uh, the first time, very memorable, when Jesus told this man that he had to be born again in John 3.16. But I want you to see Nicodemus this way. He's someone that is evolving or growing in his relationship with Jesus Christ. He's going to move, and if I can stretch it a little bit, from a closet Christian to someone who's committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at him as an example. Let me read a few verses. John chapter 3, verse 1, there was a Pharisee, and his name was Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Uh, he came to Jesus at night. And this is very significant. This is early, John chapter 3. It's early in Jesus' ministry. He was a spiritual man amongst an unspiritual people. Uh, many of the Jewish ruling class, they were more political than they were spiritual people, but he knew something was different about Jesus, but he wasn't willing to go all in, so he came at night. It's like the secret, the closet Christian. And of course, he said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God. 
because no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. So clearly, Jesus had gotten his attention, but his relationship was very shallow and not impacting his life. Let's step ahead to chapter 7. Now, uh, Jesus is making a stir uh, among all of the people. Uh, He's preaching publicly. He's doing miracles, and now there's disagreement on who he is. Well, John chapter 7 Uh, the Pharisees sent the temple guards to arrest Jesus. Well, they come back empty-handed, and finally the temple guards come back to the chief priests and Pharisees and who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? And listen to what the guards said. They said, no one ever spoke the way this man does. These guards were impacted by Jesus. And verse 48, of course, the Pharisees and their arrogance said, have any of us believed in him? Now, uh, Now, the answer, of course, was no, but I want you to see Nicodemus in verse 50. Nicodemus asks a question, and it's in defense of Christ. He said, if any of the rulers, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Nicodemus said, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? Nicodemus knew uh, they wanted to kill and get rid of Jesus, and now he's starting to stand up for Jesus. Uh, and, and I didn't have time to read the rest, but basically they shut him down. <laughs> they say, look, are you one of his followers? But yet he's evolving. He's growing. He's coming out of the closet in a good way, and he's becoming a committed follower. Now we see in John chapter 19, after Jesus is crucified on the cross is a defining moment. Uh, one of, uh, one of uh, Nicodemus' friends, Joseph, had the boldness. He went to Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but here we see it again, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. In other words, he's not a bad guy, but he's not living the bold, out front, committed Christian life like we see in the book of Acts. But I want you to see what's next, verse 39. He's accompanied by Nicodemus. Nicodemus took a risk this time because, listen, if you go to ask for the body of Jesus, you could be ousted from their community. He, he, Nicodemus went, in and went with him, and notice he brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. These were spices to prepare him for his burial. So what's the significance of that? Now uh, Nicodemus is paying a price to follow Christ. He's investing of his resources. Uh, he, he, he's doing something deliberate and costly for the cause of Christ. Now, Nicodemus, as we said, he was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, the ruling council. He was kind of in the upper echelons of Jewish life. He was a teacher of the Jewish law. He was in a position of power. Likely, like politicians today, he was wealthy. Uh, He was, if we could say, a member of the in crowd socially. Uh, And what he was willing to do, he was willing to risk it all to be a follower of Jesus. Following Jesus was more important than anything else. And what I want you to see, his spiritual life was changing. And I want to suggest for for you and for my own life, this is an opportune time for our spiritual life to change. Because, friends, life is speeding by at, at, at breakneck speed. He was once a closet Christian, but now becoming a courageous, committed Christian. And if I could make a a, a candid application, before this corona crisis, many of us, and if not now in the crisis, at one time in our life, we were living a comfortable, convenient Christian life. We believed in Jesus as our Savior. We were good people, but there was not much commitment. Now, let's be honest. I want you to imagine uh, Jesus told us that the object of the Christian life is to bear much fruit. 
In other words, that our character follows Christ, our fruitfulness, what we do for the Lord, our service for the Lord. I want to ask you some real candid questions a moment. What was your Bible reading like before the corona crisis? How about your prayer life? How passionate were you in worship? Now, I'm not trying to chide you or judge you in any way, but I want to ask you an honest question because it's, it's an opportunity that may be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to hit the spiritual reset button. What were you living like? How long has it been or have you ever shared your faith with another person? You ever prayed with a stranger? Are you standing up for Christ in public? Or do you go along with the crowd? Again, this is an opportunity to move out of being a closet Christian into being a committed Christian. The corona crisis has given this opportunity for a spiritual reset. Now, listen, when this quarantine is over, many people are not going back to normal, and I'm one of them. I have decided that I'm going to have a new normal as a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. And I want to spend the rest of this message talking about three major changes that all of us can make for a new normal in my spiritual life. Again, I'm talking big picture. I'm talking global. I'm talking the big elements of our Christian life. Three things that we can change in this spiritual reset. And here's the first one. I want to change who I am. That's a big one. Secondly, I want to change what God's my life. And the third one, I want to change what I do with my life or what I accomplish. Now, let's go in each one and, and broaden it a bit. Here's the first one. I want to change who I am. That is, I want a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God. Say it again. I don't want to know God as the man upstairs, the faraway God in a crisis but I want to know him as a child knows their father. My little three-year-old, almost three-year-old grandson is, is in my home now for about a month, and it just brings me the greatest joy when he says, where's Pops? When he says, come here, Pops, when he wants to do something with me. Well, it's a picture of God's desire to have a relationship with us. Now, clearly, God is unseen but yet the spiritual dynamic of who we are can connect as father, son. Let me read a scripture. It's Matthew 22, verse 36. Jesus was asked this question. He said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? In other words, look at your Old Testament, two-thirds of the Bible, and pick one verse that's more important than anything else, which would say to us what God's intention is for human beings. And here's what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, that's a bit abstract. What does that mean, loving God with all my heart, my mind, my soul? How do I do that? Well, but clearly, it, it, it's like the number one thing, the most important thing is my relationship with the Lord Jesus. And this is what I want to firstly change because here's what I know. If I'll get that right, Everything else falls in place in my life. You say, well, how can I, how can I love God more? How can, I, how can I get closer to God? How do I do it? 
I'm glad you asked. I've got a couple examples here. And of course, my notes, they're popping up on screen, but you can download them off our, off our website. But here's the first one, and this is foundational. It's something we know, but make a daily appointment with God. It is absolutely irreplaceable, a time with God where you can read your Bible, where you can pray, where you can perhaps worship a little bit, but it's the most important appointment that you'd have of the day. It's more important than anything else that you do. Start your day with God. Because here's what I found in my life. If I deliberately start my day with God, I'm likely to walk with God throughout the day and end my day with Him. Uh, here's the second thing, and this perhaps will get your attention. Uh, when I talk about a daily appointment with God, I want you to think about, uh, if I could still linger on this first point for just a moment, uh, imagine a marriage. I've been married to Linnell. We just celebrated 37 years. Well, imagine now we both live in Redwater. We both live at, at, uh, there uh, out in Redwater on Timberlake. Well, imagine, though, if Linnell lived in Texas and I lived in Argentina. Now, I don't mean that I flew to Argentina and came back every week, but imagine us trying to be married with her uh, up here and me down there, and the best we can do is, you know, FaceTime a letter or talk to each That's not a marriage. That's two separate lives. Well, how much more if we don't have time when we are together with God? You see, we'll never have the closeness that we desire. So the first one is a daily appointment with God. Here's the second way how I can grow in this closeness is learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus told us, Jesus said it was better if we went, he went to heaven so the Holy Spirit would come to this earth because somehow the Holy Spirit has the capacity to be close and near to every individual believer all the time. Uh, somehow Jesus said the Holy Spirit would live inside us. Now, I want to suggest to you that it's possible to be led or guided by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Galatians 5.25 says, Since we're living by the Spirit, let us, say this with me, follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. So what does that mean? That means when I go about my day at work, God has a plan for my life. I want to try to tune in to what the Lord is saying. Uh, you know, when I'm making plans for the future, I want to pray about it. I want to seek the Lord. I want to try to join myself to the Spirit of the Lord. But this is something we have to learn to do. Nobody grows up mature. I got tickled yesterday. Uh, I told my grandson we'd take him for a walk, and uh, he was going to put his sh shoes on. Well, obviously, you know, he's got the little Velcro straps, but guess what? He's starting to put them on the wrong foot. Well, that's humorous as a three-year-old, but as he grows, he'll learn the right foot to put them on. Before you know it, he's putting on his socks. He's taking care of himself. He's growing. In a very similar way, if you would just set your desire that you want the Holy Spirit to lead you every day. I, listen, I pray this. When I'm praying, I say, Holy Spirit, would you lead me today? Would you guide me in my life today? And what all this is doing is it's making us closer to God. And here's another one that's very much related to the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to say it this way. Don't make the Holy Spirit sad by our sinful choices. Now, read a scripture. It's Ephesians 4.30, a very simple scripture. It says, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Now, how in the world could I make God sorrow? Well, let me give you an example. Um... Like I said, I've been married to Linnell for 37 years. 
I wonder how she would feel if uh, I had a girlfriend on the side. Well, yeah, she'd kill me, I guess. <laughs> no, she might not kill me, but it would break her heart if she would know that I had divided my loyalty between her and someone else, if she knew that I was loving someone else and not just exclusively her. Well, you know, that's the way God feels. When we go off into sin in our life, when we do things that grieve our hearts, grieve our conscience, that grieve the Holy Spirit, well, you know what? Just as I have cherished Linnell, there's been no other woman in my life for 37 years. I don't want any other idol to compete with God in my life. Back to the Ten Commandments in Moses, you know what the first commandment was? It said, don't have any other gods more important than me. And that's not the little Buddhas in life, but you know what that is? That are, that's hobbies, it's pleasures, uh, it, it, it could be work, it could be money, it could be other people, but things that come in. So if you and I want to have a closer relationship with God, a daily, time, a daily appointment with Him, secondly, we want to make sure that we are telling Him, we want Him to lead us and guide us, and number three, we don't want to do anything to grieve him. Let's move along now to the second thing that I want to reset or change in my life as a new normal for this new season. And that is, I want to change what God's my life. I want to change how I make my decisions. I want to change what, uh, how I determine what's right and wrong. Literally, I want to be guided by the Word of God and the will of God. Now, they're different, but they work together. You know, there's a lot of things that can guide us in our spiritual life. When I'm spiritually immature or in rebellion against God, number one, my carnal flesh can guide me. You know, I mean, you've got a lot of extra time on your hands. Those little pornography sites are popping up. How many know that part of you that wants to engage that pornographic site? That's your carnal nature. It's your old nature. Whatever feels good, do it. It manifests itself in so many ways, but that can guide us. Uh, number two, uh, uh, the secular world, the godless humanistic philosophy of life. That can shape the way we think. It can shape our outlook on marriage. It can shape our outlook on, on gender choice. I mean, you name it. Uh, the world has a virtually totally different view of what's right and wrong as compared to God. Uh, another thing that can, that can determine what we follow is our friends following the crowd. We just want to go along with everybody. Uh, and lastly, there's a little guy that sits on the throne of my heart. And you know who his name is? His name is John. And that's my will that's often a battle against God. Well, I don't want those things to lead my life. I don't want to be led by sin. I don't want to be led by, by, by a secular worldview. I don't want to let my, my, my friends or worldly people, or worldly television shows pull me away from God. I don't want this little guy on the throne to pulling me into a selfish pattern. Listen, I want Jesus to be first. I want him to guide me. And here's how he does it. Spiritually mature Christians are guided by the word of God, and the will of God. Let's talk about the Word of God first. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true. Now, that's <laughs> there's no such thing as absolute uh, truth in modern society, but biblically, it is. The Bible is useful to teach us what's true and make us realize what's wrong in our life. Now, I want you to pause just a second and, and ask yourself an honest question. How much does the Bible influence the, the way that I look at life? Is the Bible a standard of truth 
Or is it just God's word that I go to at times for comfort or stories to teach my kids? It's a defining mark. It's how I'm going to treat my enemies. It's how I'm going to treat my wife. It's how I'm going to manage my money. Uh, it, it, it determines, it sets up God's will in my life. God's word, uh, Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus replied, uh, even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. How don't you think about your Bible just a moment. It is the word of of God. I want you to think how important different uh, transmissions of information are to us. Um, I've got this little watch. It's a hunting watch. It's a camel watch. I love it. But the only bad thing about it is when daylight savings time comes, it's off. And I have to reset it uh, in turkey season because it's an hour off and it lights up in the dark. It's really cool. But the problem is it's, uh, it's in hieroglyphics. And I have to pull out this manual of how to change one hour. It's like you hit button A and hold it until it flashes. And then you hit button B and you turn it off by button D. If I don't have that to guide me, I have no clue of how to make that watch work. Well, you know, the Bible is the exact same thing. It is the Word of God that teaches us how to live this life. And if I want to have a spiritual reset in my life, I can't think of much that's better than that, to having a resolve today. Every day I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to know God's Word, and I'm going to do what it says. Now, akin to that, not only do I want to be guided by the Word of God, I want to be guided by the will of God. Now, obviously the Word of God is God's will, but the will of God affects us in daily uh, decisions that may not have a Bible verse to go along with them. Uh, spiritually mature Christians are guided by the will of God. You remember the Lord's Prayer when Jesus said in Matthew 6 when he taught us to pray? We pray to our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you remember the next thing is, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, or what that means is let what you want to be done in my life. That is huge. When you and I make the decision that we want Christ to not only be Savior, but Lord, everything changes. I, I try to wake up in the morning, and when I get out of the bed, I say, Lord Jesus, I want your will to be done in my life today. Because you see, friends, if we will have that mindset, we will we will reset our life with a new guidance system, the will of God and the word of God, and I promise you we'll be better off. Let me wrap up with this last point. The third thing that I want to do to change in my life, I, I, I want to change what I do with my life. This is what I'm going to accomplish with my life. I, I want to live the rest of my life for an eternal purpose. I want to serve the Lord. Now listen, we've all got you know jobs, we have hobbies. I'm a little perplexed. My whole turkey season is upside down. I missed a, I used to go to South Texas. I went to Mississippi. Both of those are out the window. And you know what? Hobbies are great, they're fun, but there's more to life than a hobby. There's more to life than making money. If you had a big fat uh, you know, IRA or 403, you know, whatever B account, and now it's in the tank, there's something more important. There's something more important than most of what we pursue in life. It's what we do for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about this for just a moment. If your life ended today, what have I done that, have made a, that would have made a difference in the eternal kingdom of God? What, can I, what have I invested with my life that I can take to heaven? 
when I stand before the Lord, and I will on one day. One day, all of us are going to stand before the Lord, not just our sins forgiven, we're going to heaven or hell, but we're going to be judged based on what we've done with our time, our talent, and our treasure. You see, all of us, God has something for all of us to do on earth. We were created and gifted for a purpose. Life on this earth is temporary, and most of what we do on earth will disappear in eternity. But what we do for Christ will last forever. Let me illustrate it. There should be a picture on the screen of some of our church members. We have been partnering the last few weeks with another church in town, Flower Acres, a Baptist church. They have had a food feeding ministry where they get tractor truckloads of church, of food. They were set up to do it. We're not. But what we did is we sent a little money, and we asked people to go and volunteer, put on their masks and gloves, and they'll have a 1,000 cars come up. Now listen, these 10, 12, 14 people that go, these men and women, what they're doing is they're doing something that's going to last for eternity. When you have taken time to pray in this corona crisis, it'll last for eternity. When we give money to the work of the Lord, it lasts for eternity. Uh, maybe you're a part of a life group. Maybe you want to start a life group. Listen, friend, this is the best time to do it. You can just get your friends together. Call the office. Uh, Miss Sharon or Derek will help you. We'll set it up in a Zoom context for you. Uh, we've got a little Bible lesson on Wednesday night. You could be discipling people. You say, well, I've got TV to watch. Now, listen, I like TV too, but that TV is not going to heaven with you. But if you'll take time to serve the Lord in some way, whatever it is, I want to tell you, friend, it'll last forever. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live the rest of my life just doing things that are going to burn up and not last for eternity. I want to hit a spiritual reset button. And I don't know how much time I've got left on the earth, nor do you. But I want what time I have left to be invested in God's eternal kingdom because one day it'll be rewarded and one day Jesus will say to us, well done, come on, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. I want to close now and we're going to, pray, we're going to uh, close with prayer, but I want to make this statement. It is the time to start a new normal is now. But you know what? There's only one person that can make that choice. Now, please, if you've gotten distracted, lay the distraction aside just a second. And give me this last moment or two to talk with you and pray with you. No one can set the new normal for your life but you. And God gave Adam and Eve the freedom to choose in the Garden of Eden. People have been choosing ever since. The right choices benefit us in this life and for all eternity. The wrong choices are a wasted life. I wonder if you're ready to hit that spiritual reset button. Because in my new normal, I want to change who I am. That is, I want to have a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God. And can I tell you, there's no one stopping you but you. Jesus wants it. Our Father's waiting for us. Why not just decide today, starting today, starting tomorrow, I'm opening my Bible, I'm praying worshiping the Lord. I'm setting the course of my day for a meaningful relationship with God. The second thing, I want to change what God's my life. I want to be guided by the Word of God and by the will of God. I'm going to read my Bible, but not am I going to read it. I'm going to do what it says. I'm going to make my decisions according to the Scripture. 
And, co and connected to that, I'm going to try to develop a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get out of bed in the morning and I'm going to say, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. I might even renew that request several times a day because I want to live on purpose. I want to do the will of God. I want my life to be guided by the right thing. And you know what? God will never lead you in the wrong direction. It'll only be to a good place. You'll be glad you did. And lastly, I want to change what I do with my life. I want my life to count for something. I want to accomplish something that's going to last forever in a real place called heaven. I want to make a difference in people's lives here on earth, but I want to make an eternal difference that's going to impact my own life for all eternity. Let's just pray just a second. But before we do, I want to ask you if you're here today, is if you have a relationship with God. It's an interesting question. When I was a boy, again, raised in a country Methodist church, grateful for it, heard about Jesus, believed the Bible, but it was all in my head and it never impacted my heart. I had a divining moment. I was 19 years of age and uh, I realized in my heart, and I look back now and I know that God was calling me. He was drawing me to follow Him. Up until that point, I'd been doing what John wanted to do and live in my own way. And when I got in trouble, I'd say, God help. And when the trouble is over, I'd say, thanks, and I'll see you later. But I shifted and I became a follower of Christ on August 15th, 1976. I prayed a very simple prayer that I'll pray with you right now. I asked Jesus Christ to forgive my sins, what I'd done wrong. I asked the Lord Jesus to come into my life and save me. And I committed my life to follow him. And friends, since that day, nothing's been the same, and I'd never go back. Maybe that's what you need, a real relationship with God, and it can start right now. Would you just pray with me? Just bow your head. Forget who's in the room. You just pray and repeat these words after me. Say it with me now. Say, Dear Jesus, that's it. Say it out loud. Dear Jesus, thanks for loving me. Yeah, thanks for loving me. Thanks for letting me hear the truth of the Bible today. Today, Lord, in my heart, I want to start a real relationship with you. I know my sin has separated me from you. And I all know my own desires have pulled me away from you. But today I ask you to forgive me, to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, today I choose to follow you the rest of my days. And I ask you to receive me as your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, that, that very simple prayer cost you nothing, nothing, but it cost you everything. It cost you nothing in the sense that Christ's death on the cross paid the price for our sins. Nothing we can do to save ourselves. But it cost me everything because now I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you just prayed that prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life, or if it was a prayer of rededication, there's a number on the screen. It's 97,000. If you'll text that number, text to 97,000, and just write the word restored. If you'll do that, what we'll do is we'll send you, uh, I've recorded some videos, about nine of them. They're three, four minutes long, and we'll send you one every couple days to tell you how to grow in your spiritual life. We'd love to be able to help you in any way we can. I'm so proud of you. Now, for the rest of us that's here as we close today, could we just pray and say, Lord, 
Help me make this change today. Help me hit the reset button. Lord, today I I pray not only for my friends, but for myself, that we would hit a spiritual reset button as this the new normal in our lives, that you would help us change who we are, that we would every day have time with you, a real growing relationship with God. Lord, I want to be guided by the word of God and the will of God. And I want my life to matter. I want to accomplish something. I want to do something with the rest of my life that'll matter for all eternity. And this is my prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, you say, well, Pastor, that's a pretty big prayer. How do I, how do I um, uh, find what God wants me to do? <laughs> I don't know what to do with my life. How do I, you know, how do I live that life you're talking about and make a difference? Let me suggest a couple quick things. Ask God to lead you. Ask Him what His will is. Ask the Lord what He wants you to do for a career, to serve Him each day. You just ask Him. The second thing I'd say to you is this, very simple. Go through the open door. When you're praying and seeking God, there'll be some things that pop up that you hear about. Go through that door. And as you start going through open doors, here's the third thing. Let your passion and success continue to guide you. In other words, if that door brings you fulfillment, if people are being helped, keep doing it. If it doesn't, find another door. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It'll change the rest of your life. Hey, thanks so much for being with me today. Lord willing, we'll see you uh, Wednesday night in our live stream and again next weekend. I love you. I pray God's best be upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than hearing you love, hearing you love. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than hearing you love. Set a fire, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set her fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Amen. We're so excited that you guys chose to tune in with us this weekend. And um, we'll uh, see you again on Wednesday night and possibly next weekend. And we just pray that you have a blessed day today.